Sorry? It still don't cover you. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Let's begin. Uh, good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is dedicated in celebration of the engagement of Isaac Syed, son of Sammy, Alava Shalom, and Rochelle, to Esther Haddad, sponsored by Rishi and James Haddad, Mazal Tob, Siman Tob, Mabruk, Hazaku Baruch Hu to have many, many Simachot in the community. Of course, as well, we dedicate the class today for the Rufu'ah Shalema of Yaakov Israel Ben Tamar Malka. Okay, I just want to point out uh, just a very powerful line, a line that seems to appear again and again and again and again in the parasha, and that's always uncharacteristic of the Torah. We never do something again and again. In fact, there's not even an extra letter in the Torah, and there's many instances where we'll learn a lesson from the fact that Torah added one letter to a word that was, quote-unquote, unnecessary. So, um, in our parasha, what kind of pops up again and again and again and again and again? The words, Ka'asher Tziva, just like Hashem commanded Moshe Rabbeinu to do. So, Bitzalel and Aholiav, they built the Mishkan, Ka'asher Tziva, they built the, the walls, like Hashem commanded Moshe. They built the ark, like Hashem commanded Moshe. The Mizbeach, like Hashem commanded Moshe. And the question is, why is it uh, that this was something that the Torah felt necessary? To illustrate again and again and again and again, you could have put it at the end of the parasha, they did all the work. It almost seems uh, like the Torah was trying to drive something home, to point out something uh, that maybe was, uh, 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 maybe, uh, I don't want to say, God forbid, incorrect or wrong, but something that had been done wrong. So let's deal first with the first level of understanding. The first level of understanding is that we're rolling off of, what was last week's parasha? Last week's parasha was Kitisa. Last week's parasha, they did an Egel, and they were seeking, as we know, to find some root of connection with God, and their intentions were good, but what made Avodah Zarah a foreign service was the fact that it had not been commanded. So as an example, the Mishkan itself was also something that was an intermediate or an intermediary between uh, this world and the next. We're using a physical object to channel spiritual thoughts. So the distinction between the Egel and the Kiruvim, as an example, both are made out of gold. One is the holiest thing in the world. One is Abu Dazara, the worst sin we ever made. What's the difference between them? The difference is, did God ask you for that? Or did you make that up? So the Torah over here, in imbuing physicality with spirituality, the important thing was don't think that this is what God wants unless God tells you to do it. Okay? The first layer of lessoning, of lessons over here perhaps, is that thou shalt not make up thy own Judaism. Now, I think that there are many, many, many different angles to that idea. When a person is being stricter than the Torah asks them to be, thou shalt not make up thy own Judaism. When the Torah, when a person decides for whatever reason that, uh, you know, this is what I want to do. I'll give you an example of this. The halakha says that when a person is praying, they have to understand uh, what the words that they're saying are. Now the halakha says that if a person doesn't understand, then they're allowed to pray in a language that they understand, to God. But people say, oh, that doesn't feel real to me. 
I always say, open up a Shulchan Aruch. In the Shulchan Aruch, it says that's the halacha. Don't be more religious than God. But better said, don't make up. Thou shalt not make up thy own Judaism. But there's a second and perhaps deeper meaning and process uh, to this concept that brings alive a person's Judaism. And that is the world of Kavana. I'm always, um, I always remember reading for the very first time the words of, uh, of the Hafez Haim when he writes in the Halachot about Kavana during the Amidah. And he gives a piece of advice, I've shared it before, which seems to be very uninspiring, let me put it that way. He says, you want to know what kavana to say before each bracha in the Amidah? I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. The Chafetz Chaim is going to guide me. What should I have in mind before I ask Hashem for wisdom? What do I have in mind? What do I have in mind before I ask God for refuah? What do I have in mind? So I'm thinking he's going to give me, I don't know, names of Hashem. He's going to give me like some deep insight into the Beracha. Do you know what he says? Before you have, you say the Beracha of Rifa'enu or Barachenu, have in mind, I am about to say the Beracha of Rifa'enu. Now, in the beginning, I was like, okay. What did you give me? You gave me nothing. But the answer is, it's not nothing at all. There are, there are so many times in tefillah where we're halfway through the biracha before we even remember or realize what it is that we're doing in that biracha. And the simple acknowledgement before I start a biracha, I'm about to ask Hashem to heal me, to give me parnasah, to bring Mashiach, to allow me to be wise, to have wisdom, to help me make teshubah, before you start, if you just have that little bit in mind, this is what I am doing, that in and of itself lets you start with clear uh, and concise purpose. This idea, its hashlachot, its outcroppings, are, I think, what the Pasuk is trying to communicate. You have Bitzalel and you have Aholiav, and they're approaching a task which has a lot of fine detail and a lot of, uh, you know, specific instructions. You make the menorah, you're not allowed to use the hammer, the, you're, not, you're not allowed to attach pieces, you can't use a knife, you know, make sure it's like this. How many, you know, uh, arms does it have? What are the three things that it needs on every piece? Etc., 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 etc. The more detailed a process is, the easier it is to lose focus of the overall goal. So the Pasuk re, uh, reiterates with the creation of each and every piece of the Mishkan that Bisal'el and Oliav, they, they were reminded of one thing. They were reminded of one thing, and that is what is our primary purpose in this action? It is to fulfill the commandment of God through his prophet Moshe. Now, I imagine that Shimonai said the 18 Berachot for most of us. I mean, I know it's for me. I'm imagining it's that way for you. I'm sure you're holier than me. But there's a lot of words in there. And there's a lot of intentions in there. And sometimes I'm so busy 
focusing on the words that I can forget to pray. Now that sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron. What do you mean? You're focusing on the words so you forget to pray. I'll never forget the first time someone in yeshiva handed me a book called, I forget the name of it, it's like a kuntras, uh, something lev. Do you know that one? It's a little thin book like this. I forget the name of it. Something lev. I don't remember. Avodat alev, I think it's called. And you use it for the high holidays. Rosh Hashanah Kippur. The whole book is only the Amidah. You've seen that one, right? So if you use it in, in Hebrew, it's red. I think maybe Rabbi Mansur produced one, a green one. There's all different ones that you use, okay? But the book is like Baruch. And then the next side of it, it's like the source of all blessing. Ata, you Hashem, who is here present in front of me. Amonai, the king of all kings, was, is, and will be. Elokenu, master of all the strengths. Anyway, I'm sitting there like this, boom, ah, 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 like some sort of heavenly game of tennis. Like this, I'm back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And you know what, Amidah took me, I don't know, an hour and a half. I finished, I was like, wow, that was amazing. And it was only until I'd matured a little bit that I realized that it could have been amazing. It wasn't amazing. It was just more reading. It, I, I had taught myself to focus and understand that the meaning of that word was that thing. But in, in the layers and in the mass amount of focus and concentration, I forgot the most important part of that pasuk, which was, Ka'asher tziva amonai et Moshe. I forgot to beg God to save my life. And you know what? I'd fulfilled every obligation on every word, had it moved my eyes for one second from the book, didn't think of anything else. Because how could you? You're like, oh, each word is like, you know, back, forth, back. And I remember even there was like, you know, it says, Mechila, Slicha, Kapara. What's Mechila? What's Slicha? What's Kapara? Fantastic. But I forgot to pray to Hashem to save my life. This concept, is not only applicable to the Mishkan, it's applicable to everything that we do. And it's not always, I'll give you an example. Imagine someone decides they're going to take their children and they're going to go away for Passover to a beautiful program. Guy decides, I want to take my family out for a magnificent night out, a delicious dinner, beautiful restaurant, beautiful. Guy decides he wants to buy his wife a nice piece of jewelry, wants to get her a nice bag, I don't know what he wants to buy, whatever he wants to get. Many, many times, the guy's texting his kids, which bag does she like, this, that, other thing. And there's so much effort and focus that went into the gift that the person forgets the overall purpose and method with which the gift needs to be given. So tell me if this is a scenario, as an example, that you might experience. You go through the whole prod thing, you're gonna do it, take the kids on the program, you get to the program, the kid doesn't say thank you, he's not appreciative enough, you're like, I spent all this money, I did all this time, I researched the bag, I took the thing. The purpose of the gift was to achieve closeness with your wife, that was the point to show her that you appreciate how much she does. How amazing is it that the rebound of that thing turned into something where, you now, where she now needs, she now needs to give you all sorts of praise for the bag that you bought. 
The whole purpose got turned upside down. If she didn't thank you enough for the item, what was this for? You're getting angry at me now that, I, that I'm getting nervous about the packing for the trip because look at how much you did to be able to get the thing. But I thought the whole point was to, was to drive us, bring us closer together. You go on that vacation to spend time with the kids, but you get there and you only spend time with your friends on the trip. And you ignored your family. And you left your wife at the table the whole time. These things, forgetting the purpose, the inherent purpose of something, and the more complex it is, the more likely that that is the reality. The, the Pasuk is telling us that the way you achieve that is by reminding yourself after each part of the process, what am I doing? What is it that is happening here? I want to share one last piece to this puzzle. I just did a Mishnah in Masechet Avot in the ladies' class, I have a ladies' class on Masechet Avot uh, in the Beit Knesset every Tuesday. We start at the beginning of Masechet Avot. We are now, we just did the first Mishnah in the sixth parak, in the final parak. We're ten Mishnayot away from finishing the whole of Masechet Avot. Beautiful. What a journey it's been. Fantastic. Most of the recordings you can find online. This last Mishnah says a powerful idea. It says that when a person studies Torah Lishma, Rabbi Meir teaches us that when a person studies Torah Lishma for the sake uh, of heaven, Lishma, he merits many things. And the Mishnah goes on a list I cannot tell you. It is remarkable to see what a person merits when they study Torah Lishma. He's become, God loves him, and God becomes his friend. That's what the Mishnah says. I mean, I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean? Hashem's your friend? Yeah. And it goes on and on. But the Mifarshim point out something very interesting. We are very familiar with that word. To work, to learn Torah Lishma, which means, we, everyone translates Lishma, Lishem Shamaim, for the sake of heaven. But the actual translation of lishma is not for the sake of heaven. What does lishma mean? For its name. Anyone who studies Torah, lishma, for its purpose, for its name. There's a purpose to the study of Torah. It's not for the sake of God. It's not for the sake of heaven. What is the purpose of the studying of Torah? And the Mepharshim say something unbelievable because it's exactly this point. You could be studying Torah non-stop and Torah's not penetrating. And the person's midot don't get better, they get worse. And the person's looking down on everyone. The more religious he becomes, the more horrible the person becomes to the people in his family that are not as religious as him. And you ask yourself, how did this happen? The Torah's supposed to make a better person. The Torah is supposed to improve the derech eretz of the person. How did this happen? The answer is, the person did not learn Torah lishma for its sake. They did not remember when they were studying what the purpose of Torah is. What is the purpose of the study of Torah? If I want to learn Torah for its own sake, l'shem shaman, not for honor, not for the glory, not that people should think I'm religious, people should think I'm special, not that I should be wise. What is Torah's purpose. 
And Mifashim say something remarkable. Mifashim say that the purpose of study of Torah is to connect, to create a connection between humanity and God Himself. Now, I can't do the whole class that we did over there. I don't have the time. But I want to condense it to one crystal clear idea. And I think this is very powerful and something very important for each and every one of us who study in our lives to know. You see, the idea of Torah study is understanding the thought process, so to speak, of God Himself. You know when you're connected with someone, you know what they like, what they don't like. In fact, as an example, if you don't know anything about the person that you say you love, if you don't know what they need, if you don't know what they like, how could you say that you love them? Is that obvious? So the idea of the study of Torah is to say, I am aware, I understand how God thinks, how He views the world, what He wants, what it is that makes Him happy, what is it that makes Him upset. So the process of the study of Torah is becoming more connected with God. That's the idea of the study of Torah. If that's what you have in mind, my friends, you cannot study Torah and become a more horrible person. Because obviously that's disconnecting from God. God who connects with everyone. God who gives even the biggest sinner a chance to be able to do teshuvah. God who cannot receive from any of us, yet gives to us each and every day in each and every way. If that's the case, then it is the thought, the channeling of the action that makes the action effective. And without the thought process, the action might actually be harmful. Could you imagine someone in a committed relationship with someone who's going through the motions and the person says, look, if your heart's not in it, if you're not present, you're not here, I'd rather we didn't even go out. Why? Because the illusion of connection without actual connection is more painful than the lack of connection at all. You're not home. You're not home. But if you come home and you're on your phone, that's worse than you not being home. If you're not home, you didn't get home yet. But if you came home and you're on your phone and you're ignoring me, that's worse. It's like bringing the lack of connection right into my face. Yes? This idea, I think, is encapsulated in this concept of Ka'asher Tziva Amonai et Moshe. Oftentimes, we're thinking, how can we be better Jews? And we're like, we're up to here. I have no more. I can't do more. Maybe the answer is not doing more. It's just doing what we do a little bit better, a little bit finer, a little bit more intentioned. And then it's not more effort in terms of another thing to accept on myself. But it's a sharpening of the saw, in the words of Stephen Covey. It's a, uh, uh, a, a revolving process where the things that I do without taking on anything more are, are a little bit better, are a little bit more driven, are a little bit more purposeful, and therefore a little bit more effective. May God bless us to become better and better Jews uh, each and every day that we live, to become better and better fathers, brothers, sisters, mothers, uh, daughters, husbands, wives, um, and Be'ezat Hashem, through the little things in our life, we will make the, the most important and the most beautiful Kiddush Hashem. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.